welcome to Transition Gadget 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a lot of games, including No Man's Sky, some indie games on Steam, PS4's new colors coming to India, some news around Dota 2, surprisingly enough, Xbox achievements, and some more stuff around Overwatch, which just never ends. All right, to talk about these things as usual, we have a friend of the podcast, Mikhail Madnani. Hello. We have our games editor Rishi Albani. Yo. And I'm your host Pranay Parab. So first up, let's talk about this Dota 2 stuff and get it out of the way with as much as possible. So what has happened is in Dota 2, some AI developed by a startup owned by Elon Musk, who's the CEO of Tesla, has defeated a pro player. Actually, three of them. Yeah, three of them. So, so why does this matter? So here's the thing, right? Uh, for those of you who don't know, Dota 2 is a is is a game that's known as a MOBA. It's a m- multiplayer online battle arena game, or uh, where you have a host of heroes to choose from. I think in uh, uh, I mean, like while Overwatch has 25 heroes, I think Dota has close to 50. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, don't flame me too much. Mm, I thought Because, it was 131. Uh, I lo- point is, you have a lot of heroes to choose from, right? But the objectives on each map is the same, where you where you basically have to kill. uh where, where there are two side where are two there are two ends and on the, uh, you have to go to the opposing end and uh, defeat the enemy and destroy the enemy's crystal along the way there are turrets and minions to kill as well and obviously enemy heroes now uh the game is complex because there's a lot of uh, thought required there's a lot of uh, thinking required around how to attack trick and deceive your opponents and there's a th- there's a correlation between player skill and actions per minute uh which uh while not too too strong is there and long story short it's a very complex game to play now we've had ai in the past you know defeat uh, ch- uh, chess grandmasters we've had uh, ai well let's say being incorporated into driverless vehicles but uh, dota 2 seems to be a, one of the more complex complex challenges so over the weekend uh, open ai's ai played a dendy who is one of the biggest or most popular players in dota 2 right now uh at the international which is the biggest dota 2 tournament in the world with a prize pool of 24 million dollars and uh the bot basically defeated dendy and then defeated sumail who's a top one on one player in dota and rtz who's the top overall player in the world so it's a thing uh, i mean yeah mild terminator 2 feel going on here with skynet and stuff but uh it's 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 interesting interesting to see how ai applications in gaming could essentially make for improved esports in terms of the talent i mean let's be honest if you have, if they've created a bot that can defeat the biggest players in the world what's uh, they're just a couple of steps away from i mean they should incorporate something similar into the main game itself for training purposes but whether they do that or not obviously is, is another concern because with ai comes uh, a whole set of moral and ethical questions conscience um whether the, how how fast it can evolve and what degree it can evolve and stuff like that but yeah interesting times yeah so i mean real time follow up here there are 132 heroes in dota 1 and i think some similar number in dota 2 as well according to some sketchy google search things <laughs> which i just did uh, also i would like to add that uh, recently there was this uh, google ai deepmind which defeated the world's top ranked go player now go is this uh, chinese sort of board game it's a bit uh, like i mean something that relies on a lot of intuition based on whatever i know about it um so in, in that game like it's not just about like a 
pre-planned set of moves you have to be able to anticipate what's happening like five moves in advance and you can't always do that uh, just through by knowing the rules like it it depends on intuition yeah so even there uh, ai managed to defeat uh, humans and all the top rank players were defeated so now dota 2 is like exponentially harder than that simply because of the number of variables involved number of different combinations you can go for and if i remember correctly the player who was defeated one of the players who was defeated um went on to say that this uh, ai that you know they faced played like a human and then there was something more to it so it was like slightly different stuff that humans would not even think of the ai was able to process and yeah special mention to microsoft's um, azure cloud services which is what was used by this open ai startup to defeat all these players but what's interesting though is and this is the most uh, uh, important takeaway if you think about it is uh we finally created an ai that can wade through the toxic filth that is dota 2's community base and actually play a game without getting swore at and actually could tolerate the dota 2 community as well yeah that is the biggest takeaway from this yeah so i mean this an adds, ai with tolerance yeah this adds a new dimension to esports as you said because you can now practice against this ai uh if it's made publicly available yeah. so you know this could actually ensure that esports tournaments are like much more competitive and much more difficult in the future right now i mean at least you know from whatever the international whatever results we are seeing uh it's still like intensely competitive but everybody's been practicing against other humans or bots in the game which are really not as good as this open ai whatever it is so in the future let's see what happens yeah. hopefully this is not the beginning of skynet and the end of humanity Right. I mean Google. <laughs> so, uh moving on to other things which are not Dota. Uh No Man's Sky got a big update and I saw a bunch of people complaining that you know why didn't you release this update at launch and why what not. I mean, um come to think of it, these people the developers they made a game, it wasn't so good. They sat for a whole year and they improved the game. So, is and all of that for free. So, why are you complaining exactly? I think a lot of it has to do with, with expectations and how the game was marketed. I mean, when you have the game's uh, creator Sean Murray come up on stage several times and talk to the press about how this is going to be really cool, this is going to be really great, talk about features which only made it to the game now, like you know, being able to find other players and see other players, it does uh, beg the question that uh, yeah, why 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 do you charge sixty dollars at the beginning for a game that isn't even feature complete with features the developers themselves have advertised? So you can't blame the outrage, uh, but it's good on them for finally taking all that to heart and deciding to update it. I think I mean, it's not finally because they've been updating it over the last six months. That I'd too. Say. That too. Uh, they started. They added base building, which was never promised before, which was completely new. or uh, they added a creative mode and survival mode which is similar to minecraft uh, where creative basically gives you unlimited health resources and just lets you explore and relax and survival makes it into a survival game which it was initially but uh, the latest update has added so much like in fact uh, the the patch on ps4 was 7 gb and the game itself was like i think it was 8 gb before this so it's basically like almost a 2.0 i'd call it from what i've played so It's been really good, and when it released, yeah, like it, it, I'd say it was a solid like six point five seven max at that time. Lot of issues and all, but they fixed that, and in fact, they've even gone above and beyond and uh, improved performance on the base PS4 by a lot. Like they've allowed you to actually have a decent FOV now. Earlier, it was like two. Uh, a lot of people got motion sickness at the time and all, like the witness and also really good patch. Been playing it again, so yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, does it also add a sing? I think it also adds a revamped story mode, right? It does. Up, they claim thirty hours, so even if it gives you like fifteen hours of a decent story, I'd be fine because like, uh, the the quote unquote story which was there initially was basically uh, like something Bethesda would release. It was just side quest nonsense. So uh, I can see your expression. It's fine. We'll talk when Skyrim releases on Switch. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'd have to disagree. No, this no, no. A, it, it was pretty. It was, it was pretty a lot less fulfilling than any standard Bethesda game, man. Let's be Bethesda honest. Bethesda games are fulfilling. Yeah, I like Fallout <laughs> and Skyrim. I am part of the problem. I like Fallout and Skyrim. Skyrim, okay, I'd be there, but Fallout, I mean that. That nonsense is getting Point a game is, of the it might be, it might, yeah, so Oh it, yeah, it, Fallout 4. It <laughs> might be glitchy. Game. It might be glitchy and all that, but at least no, there's a concrete ending. Unlike, well, you know, No Man's Sky's original <laughs> campaign. So, uh, the patch, they've they've said it adds a 30-hour long proper single player thing. I haven't even looked into that yet because uh, I wanted to just explore the creative mode and just see what the new stuff with base building and mm. stuff like that. Uh, photo mode is really good been like having fun I, lo- I love it when games do that and they added new music from 65 uh, days of static or degrees what of static. 65 days of static yeah. has new music in the game yeah, yeah they, confirmed added, game of the year they've added <laughs> confirmed. five new uh, soundscapes and the soundscapes are like about 15-20 minute long atmospheric music from them uh, that, that's like when I saw that I'm like oh wow like they actually whatever and a lot of people were wondering like where did they get the money for this but like the game is sold, I think close to two and a half million copies across PS4 and PC. In fact, it had like uh, when it launched, it was one of the most played games on Steam at the time, and it's it's almost at a million on Steam. Yeah, and right now, uh, even though the after the update hit, the numbers on Steam look quite positive. You had eighteen thousand concurrence, which is not too bad. Oh, and also, it came to it reached the top charts under PUBG. Yeah, which is not and bad. also the reviews for once are mostly positive. Yeah, the all ones. all the recent reviews are mostly positive. It's and there is still it's still a game that people care about. I mean, even any story about No Man's Sky right now, people do check in, people do read what's up. So I so think, yeah, like it's a step in where it uh, at least where what people expected. A lot of people are happy with that because it's now closer to that. And uh, they have this thing called joint exploration. And uh, before you start saying haha joint, no, uh, it's actually exploration where up to 16 players can explore together but you'll only be able to see the other players representation as this orb or something yeah yeah you won't and they say this is a step into having proper co-op exploration so they are working towards that is what they implied and uh yeah basically uh the update i've heard it still has performance issues on pc because some people with a 1070 and an i7 cpu have not been able to get it to run at 60 consistently at uh like 14 40 which is pretty bad uh they've had to drop to like lowest to get 60 which is much lower than even base ps4 was at launch so uh honestly use the 2 hour refund period to your advantage on pc if you buy it uh and it's discounted across the board i mean if you want to pick it up on ps4 it's usually 999 on amazon india just it might be a lot more expensive digitally so yeah yeah because and the other thing to keep in mind is uh while the game has has i mean essentially gotten a second lease of life there's still a lot we don't know about this patch because keep in mind the studio has been silent ever since the release and well you can't blame them because uh they didn't exactly we didn't the uh, the community didn't exactly roll out the red carpet and with good reason it was kind of incomplete at launch uh we still don't know a lot about it. We don't know whether the single-player campaign is going to be as fulfilling. We don't know uh, how much more work they plan to put into something like joint exploration, which sounds really cool. So 
I mean, they're, they're, I think there's still ways to go. Do you think we can see a version 3.0? I think for sure, but uh, now we're at one year since the game's release. So if they do, I mean, they probably will, given how they've been talking about patches and all. The next update, they can charge for it if they want. They can call it a full-fledged expansion if they want and charge for it because uh, usually games get one year of support for free with content unless you're like first party. Even though Sony said they are treating No Man's Sky as a first party release, uh, like if you're buying it right now, just buy it assuming this is what you're going to get and don't buy it assuming you're going to get like patches like these, I'd say. To be safe. But then it's 70 or 66% off right now. On Steam, it's like 720 rupees. It's like, if it runs for you, fine, easily worth it, according to me. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, like, I'm still, I'm not sure why people are outraging over it. I, I don't think they... Really oh, so there's this group of people who probably, like, bought it, got disappointed, traded it, and who just, like, you know... They're like the Final Fantasy 15 fans. Anytime someone says anything bad, they're like, no, it's a good game. So <laughs> here is the opposite. Like, even yeah. if people are enjoying it after multiple patches, they'll be like, no, you shouldn't enjoy it. He lied. <laughs> but his lies, but her emails and all, you know, those people. So. Yeah, but uh, the funny part is, uh, I remember when the game was out, people were comparing uh, Sean Murray to Peter Molyneux. That was the biggest point yeah. of comparison. Reason being, uh, Peter Molyneux, who was the creator of uh, Fable, Goddess. And the black and white series and Goddess, is no is notorious for making wild claims that never made it into the, his games. Like for the like, I remember for the original Fallout, I mean, sorry, Fable. Sorry for the original Fable. He uh, he said that. Uh, I mean, I don't blame him. Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> Such hate. So uh, for the original Fable, he said that you could plant an acorn in the game, and as you progress and you come back to that area, that acorn will grow into a tall oak tree. And when he said this, oh, the I rest- thought you were talking about the rapper. Oh, well played. <laughs> uh, when he said this, the rest of his team was like, we never planned or scoped for this feature. So, you know, there, there's a lot of comparisons going on to, to Peter Molyneux. So you can't yeah. blame them. Hey, the, no, come on. But, you know, like they promised whatever, couldn't deliver it at launch, but they put their head down and they worked on it. And now they're delivering all the features slowly for free. Yeah, so, I think it's not an... I think it's it's fine the way they've gone about it. Yeah, and, and I also think that, like, it was obviously, like, I think, uh, like, a relatively unknown studio, right? They, they didn't have... No, they had much. Joe, Joe Danger. Danger. Huh. So yeah. they, were, they were pretty big with, like, as an indie at that time. Yeah, exactly, but not, uh, not for a AAA release. So they? that's the yeah. thing, right? The way Sony propped them up and the way mm. Sony marketed it, it basically became a AAA thing. Yeah. In yeah. the end, because... Uh, at PlayStation Experience 2014, I think, or 2013, 2014 probably, hmm. they actually like had uh, a whole concert for No Man's Sky to close the show hmm. where they had 65 days of static performing and they had like visuals from the game going on. And uh, Sony's heavily marketed this thing. So, yeah, it's basically... And then also for Sony, it's important to continue investing in this game hmm. for one simple reason, because uh, at the end of it, I, I think sometime last year, Shohei Yoshida, who is the head of uh, Sony Worldwide Studios, he did say that uh, he did admit the fact that, yes, they had promised a lot more than what finally came out. Hmm. So for them, it's also a matter of saving face, right? You can't yeah. have an exclusive that doesn't have the support it should have. Now, where, now it, what will be interesting is uh, where the money is coming from from this. Hmm. I, I, I frankly don't think Sony is footing the entire... No, in the end, bill. they said that they're not paying for it. They just have marketing rights and they're going to be... So basically, uh, Hello Games is not going to be paying for marketing at all. Sony is going to be doing that, which they did quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, after release, I don't think Sony's done anything marketing-wise except like uh, whenever the game goes on sale and whenever there are patches, they like have a blog post up on the PlayStation blog. Yep. Hmm. But... Uh, 
yeah it's probably them because they made a lot from the game like it sold a lot so yeah and i think that i mean they even did some special edition which had a spaceship and stuff right yeah that's still available for like 90 dollars looks really cool but uh, yeah it's the special edition which does not have the game so yeah <laughs> mind blown yeah yeah all right moving on so uh, since you mentioned the witness earlier yeah. there was this blog post by the person who runs Jonathan? team spy okay yeah uh, where uh, he mentioned that uh, the witness was sold for 40 dollars yeah. and even on sale it never went below 20 23.99 yeah so it sold a lot of copies yeah. whereas if you look at average prices of indie games on steam that's like really low like four dollars five dollars yeah. something like that and the number of copies sold are so ridiculously low yeah so the post uh, an average which, of i think 21,000 units yeah exactly yeah. 21,000 copies is nothing yeah. i mean how are you even making money at yeah, that yeah because if you Stage. price your game at like five or ten dollars you're not making anything at that price. yeah that doesn't even cover development costs unless it's like a one-man operation which made the game in three days by copying unity assets or something <laughs> so Yeah um, so, so the, this I mean the blog post I'll put the link to in in the show notes but do you think this person has a point I think he does Sergey Galorkin has a point sorry if I'm pronouncing his name wrong he has a very valid point but uh, there's one one part of it which uh, he didn't uh, account for which is see a lot of games at least until green until now uh, they'd be released and they'd be super cheap and uh, developers would make money of the trading card system hmm. they, they, a, a cart would be given to them also hmm. so that's how they survive and that's how they do that's hmm. how it would work for them hmm. now if and and the and in a lot and in some cases the cost of a trading card alone can be a lot more than the cost of the game hmm. so when you count that in when you take that into account i i think that ends up being a reasonable amount of money hmm. that's uh, not accounted for yeah so i i think that's the only part missing but yes pricing is a concern i do believe that at 5 and 10 dollars uh there's a less chance there's less chance of people considering your product to be of any value hmm. uh but then again we've seen this happen with open stores and systems for the longest time right i mean that's the reason why almost anything on google play is free <laughs> or free with microtransactions same with app store yeah and the same with the app store as well i think that uh, at the end of it it's a question of the of whether the developer what the developer justifies his cost to be. Mm. Jonathan Blow well has a reputation and the resolve and can obviously charge 40 and get away with it. But can we say the same for a lot of other developers? That's the other part of it, right? Yeah, but his point was that uh, the blog post guy, I mm. forgot his yeah. name. Yeah, so his point was that instead of pricing your games at like dirt cheap rates which is like $5 and $10 like starting price at least uh, could be what $20 and he said that by giving pre-order discounts you're actually like uh, you know the, your most valued customers you're actually basically like uh, insulting them in a way uh, because they should be the ones that are paying like they are the ones who are willing to pay the most right so you should be charging a good price for your game from those people and like eventually if you're doing a price cut have like a limit don't go below that and selling your game at like $5 or $4 i'm not sure like how how good that is so i've been uh, looking at steam sales for a lot of uh, popular indies and some uh, japanese publishers who've just been dipping their toes into steam uh, there's this publisher called idea factory international uh, they have the neptunia franchise when they debuted on steam Wait, uh, the neptunia franchise isn't that one where uh, you you're essentially characters from consoles yeah it's a it's like a parody thing whatever so, yeah, hyper dimension so neptunia the the game started on ps3 then they made their way to vita and now they release on vita ps4 and steam uh 
So it's essentially console wars, but an RPG and console wars. Yeah, except right. the games are not that great. Okay. Uh, so when they their first release on Steam, they definitely study the market because they've been really successful on Steam. What they do is uh, they price like suppose the Vita game is forty, their Steam version will be thirty because Steam versions are usually cheaper than console. But they launched everything with a forty percent discount or more. So what this does is because uh, and they got in also at the right time when people were thirsty for Japanese games on Steam. So their games have sold hundreds of thousands of copies. But they keep doing this now all the time. When a game launches, they'll have a launch discount of forty. So basically, uh, the people who buy it early are rewarded and they pay less. What another thing I notice is uh, now because they do this. Uh, they don't really discount it more than this during the sales ever. So you know when you buy your game day one, you're not getting ripped off. Uh, I saw there's this game called Grimoire, which is I think 20 years of development. It was supposed to come out in the 90s. It finally released on Steam. And the creator, it's a $20 game. The creator said, I'm never discounting this ever. Uh, this is the value I put into this thing. If you have a problem, don't buy it. Now he said that on the blog post and people are offended saying, oh, he's basically suicide. No one's going to buy the game unless you discount it on all. That's the mentality, unfortunately. But mm. these aren't the people who you want as your customers. These are the, like, you know, the people who go on Google Play and they want everything free. You want people who pay for your stuff. Uh, Supergiant has gone to $20 as their price for the games. Like Bastion was $14.99 on Xbox when it launched. Same price on Steam and then it got ported everywhere. Transistor was 20. Pyre is 20. It's been successful at those two prices. A lot of indies have raised it. Jonathan Blood took it straight to the next level. Now, I've played Witness and I love it. It's it's probably worth $120. Forget 40 to me. But when he launched it, when he released it at 40, everyone was like, this is not how much an indie should cost. No Man's Sky released at 60. They said, why is an indie charging 60? It was successful. There are people who want to pay for your games that way. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that... Uh... I, a Valve should play a part in recommending what the price should be and what the minimum sales ceiling and uh, maximum sales ceiling They used to be. do this. That's the thing. Uh, Steam sales are very different today than they were like maybe two years ago. Yep. There used to be flash sales where you used to wait for daily sales and stuff like that. Now, the developers are just told on the Steam forum, like the private developer forum, that this is when the sale starts. You can put your game on sale if you want or whatever. It's all up to you and all that. And uh, once the price is fixed, nothing's going to happen for the duration of the sale. Now, because they've given publishers and developers control, sales are actually uh, bad for consumers now because uh, a lot of games which used to be discounted to like 80 and 90% off two years ago probably dropped to only 66 now. Yep. Mm. Because earlier Valve used to be like, we'll feature your stuff. And obviously, if you get a front page feature at 90% off, you're going to get a ton of sales. Yeah, because and a lot of it also has to do with the fact that uh, developers are willing to trade... Uh, that extra margin per user for a larger number of users. That's also something which uh, some fail to, fail to take into account. Also, you mentioned trading cards. This yeah. has also undergone a drastic change now. Yeah, where, now, uh, now. Yeah, now, in the last two months, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, where earlier, any game used to just come out, put trading cards, and you, people used to buy them as trading card bait because they used to farm them, just sell the cards, and that's it. You have one game in your Steam library. There are people who have, like, thousands of games in their library. And they just like make money off cards. Like if you have an anime game, usually you're going to make more than, at least in India, more than what you paid for it through selling the cards. So they've I mean, changed it now so that uh, if like it depends on how popular the game is and it depends on how people play it, when it's going to drop. And also if you are at a higher level on Steam and if you own more games and stuff like that, it takes into account all this stuff from what I know and it lets you drop. So like... Uh, on Steam, I think I'm level 50 or something. So in my case, the drop rate is 300% of what it is for someone who just started for cards. 
so i'd get cards faster but like they've basically made it so that less of these scam quote unquote games show up which are just trading card bait but then that's another way where developers used to make money and now it's gone so if you price your game at like 2 dollars on steam and put trading cards you're not going to make money on trading cards yeah mm. that that's the thing right now and i think also a lot of it has to do with the fact that because valve keeps changing things on the storefront that uh, i mean a lot of this in terms of a way forward for developers it's just purely depending on what valve does next right and when they decide and they have it. a huge redesign coming so no one knows how that's even going to look and it's supposed to come out in summer but with valve time tm it'll probably come out next year or something no man next year's artifact they've said it oh yeah i'm sure about that but no like <laughs> oh, yeah, for those of you who don't know artifact yeah. is a uh, card collection game it's half life 3 <laughs> it's a card collection game from valve uh, which is coming out next year so that's a thing doesn't it have something to do with dota that's what they'd like us to believe okay. but actually it's an ARG for portal 3 so okay. so like basically i i agree with him that i'd want more games to cost uh, like indie games just like recognize your quality and charge that much if if it doesn't sell you can always drop price i know that your first impression is very important on steam but uh, the steam market is very different to console like it's always long tail on steam versus console where usually after a year people forget your thing on steam like there's always like a small tail so yeah so i mean that's one thing yeah price what it's worth and honestly do you really want people who who do you really want an audience that just want, is just buying a game for the discount i mean think because the then you got to give tech support to those people also like i mean the same thing happens yeah. with uh, we see this with like mac apps and windows apps and all a lot of mac apps like probably are a lot better but they are a lot more expensive but they give you support like OmniFocus, like unrelated to gaming, but they have a 24-hour helpline, which other to-do app has that. Mm. So, yeah, so point is, I mean, do you really want, think of the feedback you'll also get, right? Do you want do you want your game to be bought by people who are buying it only because it's cheap and don't give a, a crap about, well, game design or your game gameplay elements or, the, or even complete the game for that matter? It, and all that is important. Forget because, complete. Do they even fire it up? Yeah, and all that's important because when you're building your next game, uh, you don't want your data to be skewed to such a degree where people are only buying it for farming. Hmm. So, yeah. All right, then. Moving on. Uh, the Sony PlayStation 4 is now available in Glacier White. The in PlayStation India. 4 Slim. Yes. So yes. don't Slim. get your hopes up if you're like drooling at a new PS4 Pro because that's probably, I don't think it's going to come here. Um, May happen. Okay. It's so work in the, progress. The, the <laughs> only PlayStation Pro official... Uh, non-black model that's going to be available is a destiny 2 bundle which is a white playstation 4 pro uh and a terrible looking controller with it yeah so, but but if we if we go by sony's past track record there's a strong chance that'll make it here reason being uh they, they aren't shying away from third-party bundles they brought in activision who's the publisher of destiny 2 is also the publisher of call of duty infinite warfare we got an infinite warfare bundle a ton of them yeah so we'll probably get this as well so Fingers yeah crossed. the glacier white bundle glacier white console is a 500 gb yeah so the ps4 slim 500 gig glacier white is uh is basically a 500 gig console with uh no games no, no playstation freebies, plus no extra controller nothing just 27990 for this yeah 27990 and the, is, there are two more which are coming yeah so there are two more bundles in the works uh which which uh, sources do say are gold and silver one terabyte consoles yeah these these launched or they were announced for europe i think a month or two ago uh they have silver and they have gold controllers matching the console yes, yes. and they have one tv that's it no games or anything so right now we don't know for sure if they're coming with games or not which is interesting because if i'm if i'm given to believe the the gold ps4 did come with some freebies 
I mean, Europe has so many bundles, like we wouldn't know which one is going to come here until they actually announce it. But uh, yeah, there are finally PS4 color options now. Yeah, because... And PS4 Slim, I'd say. PS4 Pro, like we said, maybe. Yeah, and this is important because uh, Sony India traditionally shies away from from colored consoles. They hate colored consoles. They're under the belief that none of it sells. So, which is why we've never seen even the, uh, the, the yeah. any special edition PS4s. Yeah, we, never... they, we didn't get the Metal Gear Solid 5, which looks amazing PS4. We didn't get the Rise of the Taken King. From yeah, Destiny that was the best looking original yeah. PS4. Yeah, yeah, so exactly right. This is exactly why I think this is not that big a deal because... Yeah, I mean, it's just available in white. None of the good-looking versions are actually available. It's a, it's a no, those were old. So, yeah. so those far, are... they haven't actually done custom yeah, PS4 so... Slims yeah. outside of Japan. Pil- Japan yeah. has, like, a ton of them. They have a mm. Nier Automata Emil face. Like, you should just Google that Nier Automata PS4. Yeah, so, so point is... Uh, it's a sign of things to come. We, this yeah. could just open up the doors for more special edition consoles. I mean, Let's... they bring in like every single controller. There are like 20 different controller options, I think, available now. Some more expensive than others for some reason, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, let's hope all these things work out as we predicted that they would. Yeah, because <laughs> it's going to be interesting for a lot of us who, who want to see more options and want to get more options. Alright, so I think we should now talk about Xbox since PS4 is done. Uh, there's some news about you can use your Xbox gamers score to get like immortality and other things. This isn't cookie yeah. no jokes aside uh so according to uh xbox's mikey barra uh there might be a fundamental change on how achievements work and function a lot of it has to do with uh, his comments to a publication about uh how uh, they want to showcase specific kinds of gamer people uh, kind of gamers whereas perhaps you, you're you're on x you've been on xbox for probably five years but you only have 2000 gamer score but all those 2000 are playing Halo professionally. So they want they want to find a way to celebrate that. They want to also find a way to celebrate the fact that someone who's just playing single player titles and maxes out each of them, they want to find ways to, to uh, emphasize on that as well. Now, it's amusing to see how this works out because when the Xbox 360 came out, uh, they had uh, designations you could, you could assign to your gamer tag. Whether you're a recreational player, whether you're a pro player, whether you're just in for solo. And to me, it just seems that they're probably going to refresh that and make that work. Or it could possibly mean that they create a new social space where uh, where new individuals are showcased every week. And it's, 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 it's a good time to do all of this because if you think about it, a lot of functionality in terms of how users interact with each other, how the achievement systems work, uh, if you look at it on Sony's platform, it's kind of fragmented once you're not on your PlayStation 4. I mean, you'll see someone sharing stuff on Facebook, Twitter, but that's about it. On on Nintendo, it's kind of non-existent outside Splatoon 2's Incopolis because, well, Nintendo's rumored to be killing off Miiverse, which is their social space, which was there for the 3DS and the Wii U. So there's there's a rumor that they're going to be killing it altogether. Now, for those of you who don't know, the, the Miiverse essentially would, would let you use your stylus on your touchpad of the Wii U or the 3DS and share messages, messages with other players. It was really cool. Because uh, games are incorporated as well. So every time you hit a specific uh, milestone in a game, like let's say Deus Ex Human Revolution, uh, it would create a hand-drawn Miiverse note and share that. So uh, it's nice to see Microsoft emphasizing on that element. But I think it's also a smokescreen in a way because let's be honest, where are the games? Uh, We're probably going to be, it's probably going to be a situation where 
we're going to see more exclusives on the Switch this year than we've seen on the Xbox One since its life cycle. Yeah, Gaming Bolt had a report about yeah. this where uh, <clears throat> we're like, what, nine months into... Not nine months. We will be nine months into the Switch's life cycle by December. Yeah. And counting like Fire Emblem Warriors, that's on 3DS also. Yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Super Mario Odyssey, Mario Rabbids, yeah. like Tons Splatoon 2, Arms. Yeah. Versus, what do you have on Xbox? Halo Wars 2 and... Dead Rising 4, that's going to come out on PS4. Dead by Rising 4 was December Horizon last year. 3. Oh, yeah. So Horizon 3 is also last, last year. year yeah, so Halo year. Wars 2. Yeah. I bought something else. I can't even remember. I bought some of their games. Tacoma. That's coming out everywhere exactly. else as well. So just Halo Wars 2. Halo Wars 2. Then oh, have... Voodoo Wins Remastered and Phantom Dust Remastered. Those don't count. So just Halo Wars 2 then. And Forza 7 is coming out. And uh, Cuphead. Crackdown 3. And Crackdown 3. And Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, okay? PUBG. Yeah. Listen, that's already on PC. There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's the thing, right? I anyway, mean, so I think I've had enough of this topic. Let's move on to something that matters. Uh, Overwatch. Um, what about it? Got a lot of new things, I heard. Yes, it got a new Widowmaker skin, finally. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I booted it up after like forgetting about it after Splatoon <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the summer event is going on. Summer uh, Games 2017, yeah. as they call it, which is... Uh, and yeah, they did one thing good where they let you buy skins from the last event, the first event, which was uh, the first ever Overwatch uh, timed event. A lot of people got annoyed with that because uh, skins, you couldn't buy them at the time. And they were really hard to get. So uh, like I missed out on the Lucio skins I wanted and had four versions of the Tracer skin because luck at that time. So... Yeah, if I want, I can just go and pick up those skins because they are now available at a standard skin price. Uh, other than that, they've made some changes to Lucio Ball, which uh, now has a ranked mode as yes. well. It's still like a... Copa like, Lucio Ball. It's like if, if you if you like playing Rocket League, remove the fun from it, make it boring and you have Lucio Ball essentially. So Yeah, but who... I mean, honestly, let, let's be honest here. Whoever's playing Overwatch right now is not playing it for Lucio Ball. They're I'm just saying like that's... I'm just playing it. That's why... That's their big thing for the event where they've introduced rank board. But forget that. Like, that's pretty garbage. It's just an excuse to sell more loot boxes and all. Thankfully, they've uh, reduced how you get duplicates and also yeah. buying skins rewards you more. But they're adding deathmatch soon. Yeah, that's apparently a thing, which is very, very funny because... Uh, Blizzard's uh, Jeff Kaplan, who's the director of Overwatch, uh, has said on uh, publicly on several occasions that, oh, we're never going to add Deathmatch to Overwatch. I mean, didn't they say that about Capture the Flag also? Yeah, that too. <laughs> so notice how all their hopes and dreams are being dashed by a bloodthirsty community. But not I'm complaining. More game modes are always nice. There's going to be a team Deathmatch and regular Deathmatch. Apparently, uh, how it's go- the scoring system will work in such a way where Every time Mercy resurrects players, it reduces the number of kills uh, the other team gets, if I'm not mistaken. So that will essentially ensure that everyone will have to have a uh, have Mercy or a, as a hero character on, on the squad. But uh, yeah, that's going to be coming in a future update. Uh, and it's probably going to have some interesting ramifications. There are new maps also coming. Yeah, new they maps already too. They already have a new map, but uh, they've announced another one. And uh, yeah, the... Doomfist isn't that much fun as a character. I think right now, uh, I had some problems with Anna as well and Sombra, but then they fixed that eventually. So hopefully they'll do something here because right now Doomfist is just annoying in game, like playing against and playing as. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something I noticed as well. Even in the few games I managed to get in this week, no one is playing as Doomfist. No one. Everyone is either playing, uh, I mean, standard the standard character set 
but no one's been touching Doomfist. So I think a lot of it also has to do with uh, I think the the way he controls and his movement is a bit of a problem. It, it's it he doesn't he, to me he's, he's not as fast as he should be. So I see that I think his health is a problem because given he's a melee character, he needs to be a little more tanky. Yeah, that's the other thing. He needs a he needs a great amount of health so that it's easier for him to, you know, get up close and personal without dying before that. That's essentially what tank characters do. Yeah, I think so, tanky is the best word I've heard all week. Tank hyphen Y. Yeah. So <laughs> well, yeah, so tank characters are essentially those with massive amounts of yep. health who do da- who deal damage up close. Alistair. From Dragon Age Origins. You the legend. That game is so good. Yeah. So, yeah, essentially Alistair is an example of that. But yeah, yeah um, Deathmatch is coming soon. New maps coming soon. Um, the skins, are, the skin situation is really interesting because they've also changed custom lines as well. It's something they always do. So one of the f- more hilarious ones is uh, Soldier. So there's a character, Soldier 76, who can heal other characters. Uh, so when he heals, his, his, his usual line is, uh, come here and get stabilized. But then since he's wearing a summer skin, it says, come here and drink up. <laughs> so, 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 cool, so cool little changes like this. Mm. But yeah, uh, game's getting interesting. Awesome. So finally, we move to our favorite part of the podcast, which is the Mike's Weird Game Show. Oh, that's it. Nothing yeah. else has happened this week. Uh, no, it was a boring week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, last week was Bioshock, man. So yeah. Come on, we spoke about Dota 2 and Xbox on the same episode. How, how boring can it get? Yeah, listen to die. <laughs> Okay, so what have I been playing? So obviously Splatoon 2, it's become the new Overwatch. Listen, uh, the Utaba Rimono sequel is like less than a month away. How excited are you? Pretty Underwater excited. Rare, man. Oh, yeah, pretty <laughs> excited. But yeah, I'll talk about that when it shows up. But yeah, Splatoon 2 uh, almost reached level 30, which is the final level for unlocking weapons. So it's been quite a while, 107 or 108 hours, I think. No life confirmed. Uh, but yeah, that's not really important. Uh, more important than that, no Man's Sky obviously put in like four hours on the weekend, only good fun, but uh, made really good progress in two other games, Dragon Quest Eight on 3DS, now 10 hours in, uh, probably like already like inching towards game of the year, like I'm really glad I got it day one in Singapore, but yeah, good fun. So, 2000, 2008, 2009, when did that game come out? Whatever, 10 years ago called, what's up? And you still haven't played it? I have. No, you haven't. On PS2? No, you haven't. <laughs> I can spoil it. I think you, you bought I bought a PS2 just to play some Call of Duty nonsense. Call of Duty was not on PS2, but I'm yeah, sure I, it was. Does, okay, back on topic. Yeah, and Final <laughs> Fantasy 14 basically uh, got a, got a few more people to play. Also resubbed for two months, so yeah, enjoying that. Hmm. Okay, so I'll go next. I just um, got the iPad Pro, um, the 10.5 inch one. So because of this uh, happy coincidence, I installed a bunch of games from my Apple ID and I've been playing Banner Saga uh, mostly. So that's a role-playing game with like a I mean, turn-based strategy element to it by, with combat. So really good game, enjoying the story completely. And in this game, like it's brutal, like some choices you make, which will be as random as like one archer coming to you and saying that, okay, um, this battle that you're going for, I would really love to join you. I'm really good at this. Please take me uh, with you. So if you say, okay, fine, come over, then the chief of your tribe will die because, you know, there was nobody to protect them as they were trying to escape the people who, who were attacking you. So if you chose that, okay, I'll send this archer away with, let them like go away with the tribe. Initially, it may seem like you're actually protecting the archer, but turns out that the archer eventually ends up uh, saving the chieftain's, uh, chieftain's life. And... Uh, 
you know things like this where you don't really know like it it appears like a really innocuous choice but characters just die on you and then you have to just restart that entire thing and then play it again if you want them to survive interesting because uh, the way you described it reminds me a lot of uh, witcher 3 yeah. and how the quest system actually how the choice system works not just in witcher 3 but one and two as well mm. where you don't know what the repercussions would be yeah. and what makes it even more fascinating is that it's a game de- that banasaga is developed by uh, x mass effect developers at mm. bioware mm. Uh, and for those of you who have played the mass effect games you will notice the element of choices extremely binary yeah it's either and you know what's going to happen next yep. so it's nice to see that you know they've actually gotten out of that and are making some cool stuff yeah so i've been playing it on the ipad right and there's like a really annoying thing about this game which is that i think this is a very old game also banasaga 1 it's not new uh, so like every time you have to make a choice and all and like to go to the next part of the dialogue there's like a tiny down arrow at the bottom of the screen So you okay. constantly like keep hitting just that arrow. If you hit anywhere else on the screen, nothing will happen. And uh, for choices, like they have one, two, and three written. So if you have like a keyboard accessory plugged in, the number one, two, and three don't work to choose that. And uh, if you, for example, like just try to tap those things, those three are so closely spaced with each other that you sometimes might end up making the wrong choice. And in this game, that is very dangerous, as I, as I just uh, described. You like, can't use the pencil. Away. No. Oh, okay, that's a little It's it doesn't have all these things supported, right? It okay. probably is never getting keyboard support, but I will agree with you that uh, to progress dialogue every visual novel like segment should allow you to tap anywhere on the screen. Yeah. Like even on the Vita when like I have to review a visual novel and they expect you to keep pressing X is like dumb like why would you do that? So and here you have only touch so yeah yeah but then i remember when they they have uh, updated it quite a bit since it released because when it initially released it didn't even support retina i think yeah so like at, and i had an ipad 3 at the time so that it ran at like very blurry resolution now it yeah. runs fine but uh, yeah they definitely should uh, they should fix it but uh, yeah it, it plays really well though like yeah. the actual yeah the game strategy is really, combat is really good yeah, like really good. srpgs are like made for touch anyway so yeah so i hope that some of these things have been fixed in banasaga 2 which i think released late last year only on yeah, the yeah and iPad. it's on sale right now yeah, so, so uh, banasaga 2 i haven't played yet i've heard it's not as good as the first one i'll find out soon yeah. enough maybe you know by next week i'll get there but yeah one thing i did notice is that all these games that i've been playing including this and table tennis touch uh, that game center pop up which comes up in the game is really blurry the game itself looks good but there's like a welcome back forever fail gunner or whatever it mm. says in that game center pop up uh, that that thing is blurry and it annoys me a lot but yeah the second game i wanted to talk about was table tennis touch a fantastic table tennis yeah, game yeah really like, good yeah it's on iphone and ipad and i think on android as well although don't quote me on that uh, but yeah it's excellent and if, if you want an arcade table tennis game where you can just like spin the ball almost like i don't know 90 degrees uh, and also have some killer like super fast uh, back and forth uh, like uh, tt games yeah go for it it also has multiplayer so i think you can play against people online your friends online So yeah, I would totally recommend that. Rishi, interesting. But so table tennis really now on an iPad. Like, It's really good. Like I, even, I don't even remember why I bought it, but yeah. I just picked it up once and I was like, wow, this It's, works so well. It's just two fifty rupees. Just buy it without question. Like I, I bought it ages ago and still works just fine. And it will be fine even after iOS eleven because it's been updated for sixty four bit as well. Nice. Yeah. So I've been playing uh, a lot of Agents of Mayhem. Uh, that game embargo. By uh, hopefully by the time this podcast is up, yeah, embargo will will have lifted. It's pretty fun. It's essentially what would happen if uh, Overwatch decided to have a single player campaign, 
It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun to play. Interesting characters. There's actually an Indian character uh, by the name of Rama, who is an immunologist and an archer, who joins this elite group known as the Agents of Mayhem, uh, which is basically the the game's equivalent of GI Joe. And mm. uh, because she wants to cure a plague, which is uh, which is uh, infecting India, because of reason being because of dark matter. So there's, there's a wow. co- lo- there's so game set in India with an Indian character. No, not set in India. Not set in India. Okay, a part it's of set, it is. It's set in Seoul. There's huh. no part. So all the all the gameplay happens in Seoul because that's where Legion is. Legion okay. is the game. So like yeah, I said, but India is infected in that yeah. game. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, awesome. But, but it's, you're finding uh, the cure. Embargo so. is lifting on Independence Day for India. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but yeah, so uh all of it takes place in Seoul yeah. and uh, you're essentially up against Legion. Legion is basically the game's equivalent of Cobra mm. while GI Joe is essentially uh Mayhem. So you're playing as an agent of Mayhem. Ah, you can, okay. you, you can yeah. switch between the three. Like Shield versus Hydra. Kind of like that. Yeah. So like there are uh, there are 12 heroes to choose from mm. and at any given time you 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 take three of them into the field mm. and you can switch between them at any given time, which is pretty yeah. cool. Uh the gameplay is a lot of fun. Uh, the the combat's pretty slick, but the to me the best thing about it is the way it treats themes like AI, how it treats pop culture, how it treats pop stars, and how it even tre- treats things like Vocaloids and uh, you know the whole element of singularity. Singularity is the is the whole thing where at the end of the day people believe that man, machine, AI will all be the same thing, mm. and the way it treats all these concepts and lampoons them is probably the best part of the game. Uh, it's made by the same guys behind Saints Row, so yeah, it's quite fun. One or two minor bugs though, which uh, ended up ruining uh, some progression, where you know uh, an enemy would fall below a sea, uh, would fall below a floor, mm. so you can't actually kill them. So at the end of it, you have to reboot your save file. Minor, so it, it did result in some waste of time, but that aside, it's, it's quite a fun game. Yeah. So I've been playing a lot of that. Been playing Matterfall as well. That's an interesting one, simply because it uses. Uh, it's Matterfall from the guys who made uh, Resogun and uh, Next Machina. It's a twin stick shooter or where you use the right analog stick to shoot. Uh, and you have to use the R1 button to jump. So mm. it, it takes a while to get used to. It's not as intuitive as you think so. But um, it ends up being quite fun. Mm. Um, there's some interesting mechanics with uh, skipping time, with, pause, with literally pausing enemy bullets midair. So it's got some things working for it, but I, I'm not too convinced it'll, it, it has a staying power as its previous games like Next Machina or Resogun, but that's just me. Um, that aside, aside from these two, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch because, you know, summer event, <laughs> so got to get my game on. Yeah. And uh, I have been checking out a few things on the Switch, uh, namely, the, namely Rayman Legends Definitive Edition. Demo's been out, so that's been fun, but then Rayman's always good, so no complaints there. And finally, 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 yes, I have also been playing uh, more of Fortnite, which is the tower defense meets Minecraft meets shooting. Yeah, you from, spoke uh, about it a from, week, couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, from yeah. Epic Games. Yeah. It keeps getting updates on a regular basis. Uh, the game's a lot of fun to play. Uh, they've tweaked a few things in terms of balance and mechanics, and it's just been interesting and quite humorous. Mm. So yeah, a lot of games. Yeah, and finally, before we close this episode, I would like to once again complain about Steins Gate. Why is the iPhone and iPad version separate? Developer, do something. Fix this. Because money. Yeah, yeah. no, it's because lazy, actually. Yeah. Money. Because the games released when the iPhone and iPad had released originally. Yeah. And they at that time, everyone was doing separate apps and separate games. Yeah. And what they did for the English releases, they essentially just took those builds, added the English text in, and republished <laughs> them. 
they've not made any change that's why cops party is always good to be an iphone game on the ipad not an ipad game yeah, yeah 5 pb does this so yeah ask mr brown yeah, well <laughs> we'll find out <laughs> yeah i'll probably send some emails their way and say change this give me one ipad edition instead of the iphone because it's I much better it's a question of brown over brains am i right yeah it <laughs> is all right anyway that's all for this episode of transition and we will see you with another episode next week as always don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter youtube instagram at cages360 and you can also send us your questions comments love letters at podcast@cages360.com and the music for this episode comes by magnus solai polson whose album ppp ppp is where the tracks are from Thanks for listening.